1: I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So I know a lot of you still have infants or young toddlers still at home, and some have kids who do go to preschool or grade school and beyond. If so, you might already be back to school or getting ready. I cannot believe my oldest is starting seventh grade. He starts on Monday. So my kids have not been inside a school since March of 2020. So this actually feels like the first day of kindergarten again, middle school for him, a whole new school and hasn't been in school for a year and a half. So it's pretty crazy. My other two will start two days after on Wednesday. I wanted to set another reminder that there is a promo code that's good this month for August. It's good for August only, for 20% off of the lifetime of your membership. So if you've been thinking about joining, August is the time to do that. You wanna use code SUMMER21, S-U-M-M-E-R-21 two one, S-U-M-M-E-R 21, the number 21, SUMMER21, on the checkout page. Also, the book is hitting a little bit of a delay. The designer has to move her parents. Her country is going on lockdown again, so she has to help them with some type of move. But I am looking forward to getting into the final revisions when she sends that to me in the next couple of weeks and also sharing the pictures of those remaining chapters, um, first pages of all those remaining chapters as well and the table of contents, I'm really excited about that. We're gonna make it very visual and with an outline on it so you really know what's covered. So I'm very excited to see that, anxious. So this week I'm talking about differences you may see in your children due to gender and birth order. We well know that they're naturally different in their temperament, and I talk about that a lot, so that parents can take that into account. But there are also common differences based on gender as well as birth order. There are also variables that could affect what common birth order tendencies they take on. So I'm gonna get started discussing common developmental differences in gender, but also keep in mind, not every child will follow this as a formula either. But these are things to just be aware of, and if you do see it, you'll understand why. So just the differences in boys and girls is a lot of information. I've been wanting to make it into a full class. But I'm going to cover the basics today just so you have an understanding that girls and boys do develop differently, and what those areas are, and some areas where it can affect their behavior, their discipline exchanges, and their learning. Now since I do actually have all the material for this class, I've decided to go ahead and get that one going once I return from my summer vacation next week. I'm leaving, well, by the time this airs, I will have left already, I'll already be on my vacation, but I'm recording it before I leave. Okay, so let's get going here. Scientists have found hormonal differences between boys and girls in utero. They also have found that the sequence of development is different. So while there can be exceptions, I will cover the average development or the common developmental differences of boys and girls. So girls develop fine motor skills first, while boys tend to develop gross motor skills first. Now, gross motor skills are the big muscle groups. You wanna think legs, arms, neck, and the torso of the body, the back and the chest and the abdomen. The fine motor skills are for things the hands and the fingers, the wrists, Um, so those are for things like writing and cutting and those types of things. So you will definitely notice that when they first start doing these different types of activities where they use those different muscles that girls are generally have, um, are, have a much easier time writing, drawing, doing those types of things. Boys have easier time climbing and um, doing uh, other big body movements, riding bikes, that type of thing. Again, not always, but that's more common, the more common developmental path. Vision. There are differences in vision between boys and girls. Boys' eyes have more motion detector cells, or M cells, and more rods, which actually see hues of black and white and gray. These are generally used more at night or in low light conditions, but they just, um, in but they just naturally have more of those. Girls' eyes have more P cells and cones. P is for texture and color and detail. Um, cones see color and also details in color. There are different differences in language. Girls develop vocabulary and more language earlier, and they happen to be more flexible in language. Language may actually be tied to the vision differences. Girls maintain more eye contact, and they spend more time looking at faces. So there could be a correlation here, and I'm sure that they'll find more research down the road to see if that's actually true or not. Girls have better impulse control and attention span. Girls tend to have fairly well-developed sense of control by about five, whereas boys, for boys, it's more common to be around nine years old before they get a much better handle on their impulse control and their attention span. So girls have a stronger command and understanding of emotion language. So these are gonna kinda play into each other. I'm gonna talk about that in a little bit. But, um, so when we're talking about language, girls have a stronger command of emotion language. They have more bilateral integration in the brain. This is how the two sides of the brain work together. So girls and women tend to have a little bit better bilateral integration. Women have larger cells in the language area, and it allows for more connection, um, and which allows for more fluidity in language to connect different concepts together. So for cognitive abilities, boys tend to develop spatial reasoning and relationship skills by several years before girls do. This is judging movement in space, which is also comes along with the gross motor, so grabbing out of the monkey bars and swinging and those types of things, so their own body in space as well as other things in space. Also, boys' intellectual abilities tend to be more scattered. They either are more high or they have some high and some low end on different abilities, where girls, tend to be more towards the middle um, on almost everything. So in our family, this actually happens to be true. Um, My oldest son has always been really amazing in math and science, but he has tended to fall behind in reading and in writing. Now, he actually was once ahead in both of these skills. I'm going to talk about why in a second. Um, But when it comes to writing, like now, history and social studies, these are skills and subjects where he struggles, but he loves geography. He also is several years ahead in vocabulary. Um, so it's an interesting split, but what I've realized is that each of these things, the vocabulary, the geography, this is a one-to-one correlation, which is also why he was ahead in, in reading and writing early on, because when you're writing, the one-to-one correspondence is one letter for one sound, and so it was a very mathematical thing early on. Um, Geography is the same thing. It's one country, one name, or one capital city. There's a one-to-one correspondence with that. Um, Same thing with reading. When he was beginning to read, one sound, one letter. So he could sound things out, one-to-one correspondence. Now that it's more nuanced, and he has to get more creative in his writing, try to persuade, try to um, look up research and make sure that he's connecting all the dots. It's much more nuanced. And when you're talking about history and social studies and those types of subjects, it's just not black and white like the math and the science um, that he has been studying so far. So I think that's where that has definitely um, come into play for him. My daughter, on the other hand, tends to be right across the board in the middle for math, science, reading, writing, any... um, anything she does except for art. She's actually very gifted in creativity, in design, in color. Um, and But the academic subjects, she really is pretty even right across the middle um, for all of those. So that has definitely been the case for us. And then um, her twin is actually tends to be pretty high in everything, uh, reading, writing, math, science, which is interesting um, that he tends to, to so far uh, be in that category. Now, when he gets into middle school, we'll see how that goes when things do get, like his brother has discovered, more nuanced um, with the writing and the reading, although he loves to read and seems to understand a lot of what's going on. But we'll see what happens with his history when he gets into that more um, nuanced ideas of understanding how a society evolves and the issues that they come up against and how they all interplay with one another. Social-emotional. So the basic big differences are in early friendships. Girls like sharing ideas and there's a lot of verbal back and forth. Boys like shared activities and games. When girls talk with friends, they talk face to face. Boys tend to work shoulder to shoulder. When you want to work with boys, You share an activity and you sit side by side. If you go face to face, it may feel threatening. It may be difficult for boys to share. So when you're working with your son um, and he's struggling with his emotions, rather than trying to look at him face to face, maybe sit side to side, play a game, do something, play a card game and have a conversation, Um, especially as they get older. They may feel more comfortable with sharing in that way and sharing a game and then opening up a little bit. So when it comes to friendships and aggression, boys fight and challenge physically, but boys will work it through and let go of the feelings much easier. Girls will seldom fight, but when they do, they may hold on to the feelings, they may hold grudges, they may use social aggression like name-calling and isolating. There's actually so many more differences I didn't get to cover yet, but I do wanna have time to cover some things for parents to consider, like the tip I already talked about with shoulder to shoulder when it comes to boys and girls, but um, but even without sharing all those differences, it's important to know that these differences do tend to affect what toys children are drawn to and the questions that they may ask. So boys tend to be drawn to spatial toys, like building toys, moving toys like cars and balls, while, ch- while girls, are more often drawn to toys with texture and color, such as art supplies. Now, this is not always true. And as for me, as a very young child, around four or five, I was very drawn to Lego, and I could spend hours planning and building with them. My oldest language skill came at a very early age, very rapidly. His first words are at 10 months. His phrases, um, two and three word phrases by about one. He was doing full sentences by one and a half, by two. He was talking nonstop, like full on paragraph, like nonstop with a crazy rich vocabulary. We couldn't get the kid to be quiet. Yet he didn't start walking until almost 15 months. He also was drawn to writing at preschool, like I said, but I think it was because of that one-to-one correspondence, that one letter to one sound. So he was drawn to writing very early on. But now he struggles because he wants to write a quick answer and he wants to be done with it. He doesn't want to think about cause and effect and he doesn't want to think about if he's fully covering um, his argument in a persuasive essay. It's it's His brain just doesn't really want to go there. Um, When it comes to questions, boys want to know where is it now and where is it going, the spatial part of it. Girls want to know what is it, what does it do. So even with these typical differences, you can see it's really important to expose both genders to all kinds of toys. You never know where their interests may lie. And actually what the research, latest research has found is that parents tend to talk more spatially with their boys than with their girls. So this is one of the things we wanna be really careful about, making sure we're talking about spatial um, language with girls as well as with boys because they may be very drawn to that and that may be part of the reason why maybe they're not um, developing for um, the spatial recognition as early as boys. Now for the longest time, I wanted to be an architect like i said i built with lego i loved it i was very spatially oriented and when it came to those parts of the iq tests or the the school tests i would um fly through those and i would pass those like way above grade level with flying colors on those i could completely understand how things moved in space and how they would look from different angles um and it's actually one of my regrets, actually, is not pursuing architecture. I went into engineering instead, computer engineering, because I loved math. I loved calculus. And you didn't need calculus for architecture. And I actually had a, a um, college um, counselor who had recommended that I go more towards engineering. And I actually now realize I should have studied architecture, which was my actual passion, but just taken a calculus class. But anyway, I'm a nerd. I know. <laughs> so anyway, there's so much more on this but I wanted to cover a couple of helpful tips for parenting boys versus girls. So I'm gonna to get to those right after the break, as well as talking about birth order. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important, but did you know indoor air quality can be up to a hundred times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air, In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. puroair.com Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HIPAA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Hey parenting beyond discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. That's homethreads.com slash parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. Now that we're back, I'm going to get into some things parents can do when it comes to the difference of parenting boys and girls, and then also cover the birth order, some birth order stuff. Okay. So in discipline, Girls register voices better than boys. They hear differences in tone better than boys. Girls are more sensitive to parents raising voices and to tones of voices. Parents often may raise their voice more with boys than with little boys just to get their attention. But sometimes when it comes to dads dealing with their daughters, it may not register to dad that he is being as loud as it sounds to his daughter. So And actually, my kid's dad, he's not a loud person. He's a pretty quiet guy, you know, doesn't make a ton of noise, but he sometimes talks really loud. And I often have to remind him, like, we're sitting right here. When we used to go to dinner with his family, they were a family of three sons. Now, his mom had passed away, so there were three sons and dad, and it was so loud, I could barely stand it. My sister-in-law and I would just sit at the dinner table as quiet as we could be. And we would just look at each other and give each other these looks like we're not even going to try to say a word. We're not going to bother trying to add anything to the conversation because it just wasn't even worth trying to get in there. So there's a, a difference in hearing between boys and girls. So just like I said with the voices, so there's some differences. So as an addition to that, girls hear higher pitches in voices easier than boys. Girls hear twice as well in the vocal range of the female pitch of voice. So this may actually account for some of the differences in vocabulary and language skills. If boys aren't able to hear as well, then they may not be picking up the language skill um, as easily as the girls are because they're hearing that pitch. And especially because as we know, um, still in this day and age, babies, are spending more time with mom still than with dad. Mom tends to stay home. If one parent is gonna be home, it's usually the mom, although we are seeing more dads stay home these days, which I love, and especially now. Nowadays, we have a lot of two parents home, but still, overall, there's still a lot more mom time with kids than, and toddlers and babies than with dad, and so um, boys may be not quite hearing the language as well as the girls do, and so they're not picking it up. When it comes to school, Because of this, when there's a female teacher, we want our boys to sit closer to the front of the classroom so that they can hear. Otherwise, they may be missing half the material. And this difference, the ability to hear that vocal range will remain through the teen years. It doesn't really, they don't catch up until after the teen years. So by college, this should be okay. But even up through high school, they may not be picking up, Um, they may be missing because if the pitch is too high, they may not be hearing what the teacher is saying. Okay, let's get in some birth order information. This is also fascinating. I, th- I find the gender differences fascinating too, but it's important to understand and know that siblings will compete in families. So I'm gonna cover only children as well, but um, for anyone who has more than one, which is I think most, um, this, this is just something to know. There's a limited amount of time and parental resources. There's a limited amount of time we can spend with each child in the form of attention and help and support. So children will compete for this time. If you're aware of it, then you won't be blindsided by it. It won't be a surprise to you, and you'll actually start to see it. And you can be prepared to show empathy and be ready to listen to concerns and connect rather than dismissing it. Also, children will differentiate from one another in order to circumvent the issue of of it being so pronounced. So a lot of times children will not compete directly with one another. So one of the stories I find interesting, of course, is um, Venus and Serena Williams. It's really surprising they both became um, tennis stars and that one didn't go into a completely different sport, but usually children will find a different way to, um, to compete. And like, and one of the things you may notice is one child is really academic. If one child is super academic and gets straight, straight A's, the other child may not try to be as academic because they don't want to compete directly. So they may become more athletic or they may get into something completely different um, so as not to compete. Or they may just choose a different area of academics that um, if one child is super strong in one area, the other child may find that they are um, just as strong in a different area and gravitate towards that instead sibling relationships will have almost as much impact on each of us or each of them as a parent-child relationship. And in most cases, siblings will spend more time together than with any other friend. Now, we've definitely seen that during COVID. I mean, my kids have spent more time with each other than they will probably for a long time spend with their friends. They just have really gotten to know each other and connect with each other as friends, but it also has caused some friction as well. Um, some variables, let's go some variables that affect how differences in common birth order tendencies can um, can manifest. So the first variable is spacing. The spacing, how much space, how much time between children. Five or more years apart, these are actually considered serial only children because they're so far apart, they don't tend to need to compete much for attention or for resources, since their resources don't tend to overlap. So for instance, a six year old or older is getting attention for working hard in school. They're getting to do bigger kid things. They're in sports, they're in hobbies. While the infant sibling is needing help or the toddler sibling is needing help and encouragement with eating and sitting up and walking and those types of things, doing things by themselves, putting their clothes on, they don't cross over very much, if at all. So there's really not much competition there. Children born within 16 to 18 months of each other tend to function more like multiples. So like twins or or s- twins or twins triplets. Now, it's interesting in our family because we had 20 months apart. In some ways, our kids were kind of like triplets. Um, and then as they got a little older, they did tend to settle more into older and to to younger kids because there's quite a difference in the level of learning at school and that type of thing. But in some ways, they're actually um, athletically can be, um, you know, like the older brother and sister were in the same groups of swim. And um, I got to tell you, my daughter did not really like that. She did not want to be in the same swim group as her brother because he was quite a bit faster. He was older and taller, but um, but she was perfectly... um, she had earned her spot in that higher team rank, and so she was placed there, and she told her coach she didn't want to do it. So if you have children that are close together, 16 to 18 months or less, um, you'll just want to consider them to be probably more like multiples. Okay, the next variable is gender. So while boys and girls can compete and experience rivalry with one another, just ask my older son and younger daughter, um, the difference in gender does create enough unique experience to affect birth order, so it makes it less of a rivalry for them. Now, if you want to consider a fourth-born girl with three older brothers, there's going to be a real difference for her experience. Also, the parenting differences, and one of those things we need to watch out for, not to, like, be overly, because then the third-born boy or the second or third-born boys are are, um, are going to have a lot of sibling rivalry with that fourth-born girl. So, um, but she will mostly likely take on some attributes of a firstborn because she's the firstborn female, depending. The parenting will come into play heavily because, like I said, if parents were really wanting a girl and they finally get one, that will strongly affect these tendencies. But a fourthborn girl with three older sisters will very likely take on the common attributes and tendencies of a lastborn. Also, keep in mind how culture can have an impact on when one gender is valued higher than another. Also, Culture can have an impact when one gender is valued higher than another. And depending on the culture, um, men will be valued or boys will be valued much higher than girls. And we're getting more towards equality in the Western world, but there still is a difference in value between boys and girls still to this day, or men and women. What this means that is in terms of birth order is that the first born daughter and a second born son can easily swap common attributes and tendencies in these instances. So just be cognizant and aware of subtle messages and cultural biases that we ourselves may be perpetuating and not even aware of. Like the one I talked about earlier where, you know, parents and teachers still tend to talk to boys more about spatial relations and that type of thing, because we um, have this internal bias. We all do where we think that boys are going to be, are just naturally going to be better at it. And so we tend to, um, talk about that more and and focus on that more with boys than we do with girls. So the next variable is parental birth order. And this is really important because parents are more likely to connect with and even side with the child who shares their birth order. So if you're the oldest with two younger siblings who constantly were in your stuff and messing things up, it wouldn't be uncommon for that parent to constantly work to protect the oldest the youngest child who was always left out, or the middle child who always felt ignored. So you're going to side with that child, and you're, you can see how that could work, or how there can be some bias in there, or how there could be some definite focus on the same birth order that you tended to have. Another variable is family size, the middle one of three versus the middle four of six is gonna look different. And of course, all of this is complicated depending on genders and all the other sibling spacing and all the other things that I already covered. The last variable is shared versus non-shared environment. Children growing up in the same house have a shared environment. Parents assume their children's experiences are gonna be very similar since they're growing up in that very same environment. They focus on the similarities because they don't really tend to see the differences. But research has found that the differences are far bigger and more impactful than the similarities. These differences in their experiences is what is considered the non-shared environment. So as an example, it's very different to be the first born daughter rather than the last born son. Children can describe the feel of the home very differently or describe an incident in very different ways. Everyone's experience is valid, but it can be way more different than alike. They have very different experiences of growing up in the same environment than we might actually expect. This can contribute strongly to the differences among siblings. So now I'm gonna talk about actual birth order and some of the attributes of each of these. Firstborn and only children are very similar, but there are a few additions for only children. So I'm gonna cover that the additions right after I talk about firstborns. But firstborns and only children, If there's going to be a worrier or a perfectionist, it tends to be the firstborn. They are more determined, They tend to be high in leadership qualities. They're more adult-like, more organized, resourceful, self-reliant, goal-oriented, responsible, higher in perfectionistic tendencies. They will resemble only children in many ways, depending on how long they were only children. If they were an only child for five years, they can be much more like an only child versus someone who was an only child for two years. The length of time that they were the only child will have a big impact. Now, only children, like I said, take on the traits of a firstborn, but in addition, they tend to be even more academic. They tend to struggle with social exchange. They join fewer clubs and activities, and when they do join, they tend to be the leader. They also tend to have fewer friendships. The second or middle-born, so if you've got three or four, wait, four or five kids or six, you're gonna have several of these, and all those... um, other variables that we talked about already will come into play here, but for any of the middle-born children, so especially if it's a second-born boy, third or fourth, or you know, se- uh, um, same with the girls, they already have an older sibling that's their same gender. They're gonna be more like a middle-born or a second-born. If you have a boy and then have a girl, you may have more like two first-borns. So middle-born tend to be better negotiators. They have a closer-knit group of friendships. They make friendships easier. They tend to be more competitive, more rebellious, and higher with risk-taking. This may be to get attention. They tend to be more go-with-the-flow-and-laid-back, not perfectionistic like their older um, siblings. Um, They're more swayed by peer influence. They're not as much of a people-pleaser, and they're more likely to struggle academically and be held back a grade. The youngest born. So parents' time and attention is already split, but from day one, so whether, you know, they've got one or two older siblings. So they can't have as much individual attention. They may feel that their milestones are not as celebrated. They may crave the spotlight. They may use humor more often. They may break rules more often. Um, they have some of that rebelliousness of the secondborns. They may work to be different than anyone who came before them. They are more attention seeking or more laid back. Now these differences can be shaped by parenting. Those who feel it's their last chance to get it right, meaning they had a couple kids and they realized they kinda of messed some things up or they were too, um, either too tough or they were too um, permissive are now gonna try to get it right with this last one um, because it's the last one so they gotta, they gotta get it right this time. Um, or their last one may get more overindulged and really treat it as the baby, quote unquote, since it is their last. Um, but then also by the time parents get past that first child and that they get more laid back in their parenting, they're more go with the flow. They kind of, they're, they're in the groove. They know what they're doing now. They they've learned how to handle a lot of these things. They're more comfortable in parenting. They tend to not be so stressed about it all. So the last born can actually end up all over the board, depending on all these different nuances in the parenting. So I just find the birth order stuff extremely interesting. If you want to know more, the class on birth order goes into the parenting aspect on how to balance out these tendencies and the things to focus on to help, no matter what their birth order, um, to reach their potential. The class on sibling rivalry covers how to minimize feelings of rivalry and competition between siblings. If you have a firstborn or only child who is showing a lot of perfectionistic tendencies, the class on teaching and growth mindset Also covers perfectionism, there's a section on that as well because they do um, overlap with the growth mindset. Raising responsible kids, homework. This all comes into play in supporting all of our kids regardless of their birth order or gender in reaching their potential. So those could be really good classes. Also the class on multiple intelligence theory is another great one because it helps support your child's individual needs in the educational process and understanding what your child's strengths are and the ways that they learn better. All of these and the 60-plus classes can be found on demand at the website yourvillageonline.com. Also, I will work on the class on gender differences, all the developmental differences, all the things parents can be aware of to make sure that they are considering when it comes to potentially the different needs in parenting as well as school As soon as I return from my vacation next week, I will get going on that class and we'll get that out as well. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies.